0: Hello again everyone, it's Mitchell Reichert, CEO of June Group. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Eric Reynolds, CMO of Clorox the other day to discuss how CPGs are confronting some of the major changes that are happening in the digital marketplace. It was a terrific conversation. Enjoy it. So Eric, a pleasure having you here. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. So you've been at Clorox for 19 years. Tell us what your role is today.
1: Well, today I'm the chief marketing officer, and at Clorox, the way we do it is um, pretty much all brand management, all media, our internal agency, all consumer insight, analytic insight, kind of all rolls up through me and my incredibly talented team. Clorox is a big house of brands, and we do our very best to look after them.
0: And what, is, what does brand mean in 2018? Is, has it changed with all the cultural and technological
1: changes that are all around us? You know, we come from the very strong point of view that brands are just as relevant today as before. People don't dislike brands, but they really dislike bad brands. And brands that aren't relevant are interesting. And I think there's a big distinction because we see brands as fundamentally nothing more than an idea. And an idea manifests in communications and products and experiences. And if we do that well, the brand will be relevant and people will like it. If not, it'll just feel like a throwback of a bygone era. Uh, so if we do it right, we think brands are just as meaningful to millennials and to 80-year-olds as they have been for the last 100 years. And that doing it right part, I guess, is where the magic happens. Ah,
0: that's, that's the I, tough the part. Rub. That's right. Okay. So, so what are, what's changing all around you? What are
1: some of the things you guys are doing right? Well, like a lot of my contemporaries, what we're trying to find out is you really can't interrupt people anymore. You have to come alongside them on some sort of journey. You know, Pick your metaphor. And you have to find a moment where you can be useful for them, or they're open to different kinds of information. That all sounds elegant. I think everyone's talking about that. And I think that's the right conversation. But the data and technology you have to bring to bear to say, oh, here's a moment. Here's the type of content. And then, if you're really good, being able to read what was effective. I mean, to, st- to stitch that all together, that is really difficult. Um, but we think the fundamental you know, challenge is to be there when they're open to, I want to be entertained, I want to learn something, uh, whatever it is, be useful. Um, but that has changed dramatically from the days when I started in marketing, which was, God, if we just blanket bomb them with 30-second TV ads. And by the way, TV still is important to us, but it has a different role today. Um, but it's, the challenge for we modern marketers is just exceptionally profound, but it's also the most fun it's probably been in, I don't know, 30 years. Amazing.
0: Um, so you talked about your team. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, obviously, diversity, equality, big um, uh, issues for all of us these days. How does that make you stronger, and what kind of team do you have now that maybe you didn't have beforehand?
1: Well, we come from the strong belief that, I mean, unless the people building your brands, and we we think a lot of different types of people in my company are brand builders. It's not just the sacred temple with priests reading smoke. But all those people, you know, they they have to be as diverse as the people that buy our our brands. Now, I come from packaged goods, so we're in a lot of households. There is one of my company's products in 94% of every American household, and around the world too. But we've got to speak to a lot of different people. And that starts with the right talent that can ask the right questions and have the right sensibility and sensitivity to not just the communications, which is the obvious piece, but the planning and the strategy and the insights. So it really starts there. Um, And what we want is a team as diverse as the consumers we're trying to serve. That could be gender. It could be ethnicity. It could be income. It could be political. we think that makes for a really robust conversation that leads to great brands. And what I would say from you know when I started 20 years ago, 19, mm-hmm. um, we had a very homogeneous marketing group, and they all looked a lot like me, uh, sort of good looking, good looking, smart, movie star, super, yeah, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there was a reason for it. We we recruited out the same schools, all the same type of people went to the same schools. There was very few numbers of jobs. But today, wow, we're actively reaching into lots of different types of talent pools and communities. Some of them are school related, but more than now, not really school related, and all in an effort to, to just draw in the right kind of talent. Um, our talent acquisition costs have gone up many, many times. But we see the return because we see longer retention. And we just it shows up in the brand building because fundamentally, the teams are diverse, and we don't have to, you know. We're in the Oakland's Bay Area. The Bay Area, we're in Oakland, California. If you don't know Oakland, it's a very real city. It's got it's one of the most diverse cities in the United States. Uh, it's one of the most polarized in income. So, all the issues we talk about in, in contemporary culture are found in Oakland. Our employees live there, live around there, and it all keeps the conversation fresh and it keeps the talent fresh. Uh, and We're really fortunate. Years ago, we said, why in the world would you put a CPG company on the West Coast? I mean, and today, whether it's the zeitgeist of social, mobile, digital, or the fact it's one of the most diverse places, we think it's the absolute right environment to to try to cultivate these brands. That's awesome. Do you
0: find yourself in your messaging these days having to take sides on some of these heavy-duty cultural issues?
1: As much as we try to avoid it, there is almost no way to avoid find ourselves in the conversation. Last week, I received 5,000 phone calls after someone posted my name and desk phone. After a, ma- a comment made on the View um, by Joy Behar, and uh, conservative Christians felt really offended by that, and they went after the advertisers. Now, we don't. We come from the point of view no one should be dis- disrespected for their beliefs. But my point is, we suddenly found ourselves in the middle of this conversation with a lot of angry people saying they're going to boycott our brands. Um, People should vote with their money. I think it does matter. Uh, as much as we try, we can't help, but we're a part of culture. Brands are a part of culture. Um, and people like brands with a point of view. And you know, you don't like anyone who doesn't come with a point of view. So we've got to be a brand that stands for something. Mm-hmm. That uh, suddenly means someone is going to not like what you're doing. We hope not, t- we'd never have the goal of offending people, but there's just no way. So we're developing new skills and how to respond in social and how to handle things appropriately in PR and speak in a brand voice that is authentic and true rather than that awful corporate PR speak. So yes, our brands are being drug into culture in many cases and we're developing new skills to do it but there is no way to avoid being a part of the conversation these days. Fascinating.
0: Another difficult thing, transparency and viewability. How are you guys tackling all that stuff in digital?
1: Well, the promise of digital is so utterly exceptional that we're willing to put up with a lot of grief right now while we, as an industry, or the whole supply chain, if you will, sorts things out. But we've got to sort it out, and transparency, brand safety, viewability are all big hot buttons with us because we don't want to waste our shareholders' money. But more than that, we don't want to waste time and impression on someone who may not be interested in our brand. And more than that, we just hate waste because ultimately it diminishes our brand building strength. So what do we do? Well, we do what, you know, we. We just we partner ourselves and align ourselves with some of the best thinkers in the industry. We take a, a very humble approach. We're very proud of what we do. But all of a sudden you realize like maybe we need to double-click into our contracts. Maybe let's double-click with all these unstated assumptions with our publishers, with our media companies. And we know these people. Clorox is very loyal to their agencies. And we've had us have some very tender conversations. Now there are partners today. But we have to get more real. We have to get into the detail. That's one way, for example, in like transparency. We have a very large contract with one of the very large walled gardens. As much as we value them, we have to have really difficult conversations about data, data sharing. How do we know that that's the data? So it's just raising the game for everyone not to get lazy, and we have to scrutinize every part of the chain. Um, It's also participating with industry-wide events. You know, We found that when we participate in fraud tests and all these other sorts of things at an industry level, we learn a lot and it also makes the industry case for whether you're a publisher, whether you're a walled garden, to share more. And actually, I'm absolutely convinced the walled gardens ultimately want the same thing we do. They want consumers, humans on their platforms that want to be there. We want to advertise with good advertising, not advertising that makes them want to leave the platform Um, and if we do that well we'll ultimately get to the good place but we're in that really awkward dating phase of figuring each other out aligning our interests but they've got to share more they've got to be more open and and that is the central zeitgeist of the conversation today as it comes to the sort of the media side of our business but there is no way to get through it with sort of empty promises big broad statements you got to roll up your sleeves cmo all the way down to that media buyer you got to roll up your sleeves, get into the details, and ask the tough questions.
0: Last question for you, Eric. Please. The last tough question for you. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> Give us some advice. Yeah. If, if
0: I'm a brand new CMO or a CMO of a small company, what have you learned that, that
1: uh, you could uh, put across to them to help? Well, if I was a CMO of any size company, what I'd say is two things. I, we think to win, we've got to do three things. Uh, any CMO of any size. We believe that you still have to honor brands. We believe that brands matter. Sometimes the digital technology conversation, it subsumes the idea of good brands, the brand idea and the brand strategy. I would do that very well, whether you're a Mark Pritchard at P&G, I bet he cares about that, all the way down to someone who maybe sells just something online. The second piece is, your brands have to stand for something, right? But they have to do that because you know the people you're trying to serve. Let's go back to the fundamentals. Don't get too bamboozled with all the digital and technology stuff yet. Who is the humans you're trying to serve? How is your brand useful? I'd answer those two fundamental questions first. And then, only then, I would move to diving into that data and technology. And the great thing today, it's the great equalizer. You can buy stuff right from publishers. If you hire the right people or experiment the right way, you can be just as effective as a, as a Clorox media department. And it races the game for us at Clorox, because guess what? You don't Scale has no advantage today, very little advantage. You can go buy from publishers. You can have great strategies. Uh, you can have the technology and the analytics. You can do it all, but you've got to put it all together. Don't run to any one thing. You've got to put the whole thing, strategy, brands, people, and then the technology. Don't, don't start with the technology would be my advice for any CMO who wants to build a brand that really creates value over time. You killed that, Eric. What can I tell you? Great. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right.